Hello and welcome to Tales from the Engine Room, where we meet the people who make up the skiff, a co-working community in central Brighton. Where I left one of my roles, it was like, well, you're too young to be an architect. And I was like, well, why? Why am I too young to be an architect? Like, if I'm capable of doing the role. I'm Caroline Bevan. I'm a digital storyteller and I'm a member at the skiff too. Across this series of interviews, we'll meet freelancers, remote workers, solopreneurs and small team leaders asking the question, what are you working on today? This week, we meet Jack Tracy, a cloud solution architect who's followed his heart all the way to Microsoft. I actually manage a product at Microsoft. So um, I manage something called Azure Landing Zone. So it's part of our public cloud offering. And it's all about how customers get started adopting the Microsoft cloud and how they should set it up and make sure it's secure, compliant, available, all those things. So I'm the technical product owner of that product. So my week is always busy. <laughs> um, so this week it's policy related and, you know, how do we make sure we align to CIS and NIST and all of these things. So a bit of focus on that this week. Wow. So CIS and NIST, what are those? Ah, So they are uh, industry standard like compliance framework so cis is the center for internet security standards um, and NIST is an american variation of that they sort of partner up and they are like you shouldn't do these things you should do these things in cloud adoption or computing in general okay. um, however we say compliance so i then translate that into how we would do that on our cloud platform and then help our customers go push this button don't worry about it we've done the thinking you just consume our, our lovely hard work. Wow. So in terms of your, your, your day-to-day job, are you, are you getting your hands dirty in kind of systems and stuff or are you much more kind of management and strategy? That's a really good question. <laughs> uh, varies on a day-to-day basis. I would say I still have my, my, my hand in the code. I still like to be technical. Um, but am I as much as I was maybe two years ago, three years ago? Definitely not. Um, but I, I think of myself more as like strategy and like, typical product ownership i know enough to know when development teams are saying we can't do this or this can't be done that i know that i can call their bluff or i can go actually no i understand why that can't be done okay we need to rethink how we're going to approach this so i probably am typically i don't know 70 30 split probably 70 percent more strategy and management of backlogs and sprints and stuff like that and 30 percent hands on the code reviewing code going that could be better change this that won't work okay. all those sort of things so it's a nice mix so so imagine also you, you said about being able to call people's bluff if they say oh, we can't do that no yeah. and you're like yeah I know you can I know you can yeah I know you can do this I guess also having because you've got the chops you know what you're doing you know what you're talking about you also get that respect from the people who are who have got their hands in the code you go no no I I know how to do this so yeah. just and a lot of it I built right so a lot of the initial early days when we were in like you know it didn't exist I was MVPing it I was POCing it I was building these things from the ground up so a lot of the code they're touching going oh it doesn't work like that we go well I actually wrote that so I know how it works so easy that's fine. Watch, <laughs> watch my code yeah, exactly and I know I know it's terrible it's fine like it's fine to call that out um, but it's also a really good growth opportunity for those people as well because like they say to me hey how do I do this or I'm you know we can't do this and it's then taking that opportunity and going look the way you're thinking yes you're right you can't do it that way but think about it this way you can approach it in this different way and you can do it yeah. so it's actually more of a like a learning training role as well like a lot of junior people in the team trying to bring them up to sort of similar levels to everybody else in the team to get them to contribute more and increase our velocity so yeah it's a really nice varied role from strategy to thinking you know the blue sky thinking like where are we going next what's the next big thing we need to tackle for customers all the way down to helping new people start in a team who have just come out of uni 
to go right you know this is how it actually works you know forget what uni has told you about all of this stuff this is how it really happens yes you do sit in rooms with big security guys and teens going no you can't do that because of i say so and that's generally the answer there's no right or wrong it's that's what they think so you have to stick to it and helping them you know navigate all of that all the way into making them write better code and you know evolving in the ever-changing world of microsoft wow so obviously microsoft one of the most well-known companies in the world. Yeah, it must be nice to work for a company like that, where there is still this 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 big thinking, this this innovation, and the money behind it. This is not some startup who's trying to bootstrap some invention. Yeah. You can go, okay, let's try it. Yeah, it is, but it also, you know, we have to self-fund ourselves. So the project that I work on has to pay for itself, has to fund itself. So just because we're Microsoft and that, you know, we are, you know, still doing well in tough times, even though, you know, we've made a, a number of redundancies recently, like 12,000, I think, were made redundant, like big numbers. Um, and that was a ter- terrible time for everybody internally because you're sitting there like, is it me next? Like, when do I find out? Um, but, you know, hopefully we're through some of the worst of that and we've got through it and, you know, it, everybody's resettling and rebalancing on what we do now. But we have to fund our project. So when we had this idea, it was like, well, prove that customers need this, prove that we should invest our resources in that project right. internally. So um, Microsoft is like lots of mini micro teams that all manage, like very decentralized. Yes, there's a shared strategy and there's people above, you know, making sure that everybody's doing their part to align at some point in the future. But actually, there's a lot of, you know, well, I've got this idea and I'm going to go and see if I can get it going. And then I'll go and and pitch it and see if I can now get funding and investment to grow the team, to make it a product, to grow it. So it all is very like startup culture based still, um, especially in the early days. But once a product becomes, you know, we're two and a half, maybe three years into the the run now, we're very much this is the daily rhythm. This is how it works. um, And everybody knows why we're needed. We haven't got to justify why we're needed in that customer journey. But, you know, those early days were like, well, now we're pitching against other initiatives that are trying to do the same thing of the same type of uh, solution that we build right. just to, you know, keep our existence and wow. survival. So, so that's that. I mean, that shows my naivety. I've never worked for a big organisation like that. Um, so I, I, in my in my head, I imagine kind of some kind of like blank checkbook in, oh, in, a, in a corner of a room and everyone can just go and grab whatever they want. But it's nice that you've got, your, like, like you said, teams almost being pitched against each other for, mm. for the for the for the focus and the resources and the money so. yeah and it's always you know customer obsession like what do customers want is it still the right thing for customers yeah, is it still relevant you know we don't it looks from the outside very much like well there's an unlimited pool of money like as you say the blank check syndrome um but it very much is not like that in the real world like we've lost people this year in our team and they won't be replaced. Yeah, there's no unfortunate blank check, even though like when you look externally, like the numbers are still growing, still doing okay in stocks, our share price is okay. Yeah. You know. yeah. And it's not just Microsoft. You know, we do, every, every, every few days, there's another big yeah. company who's let go of, you know. It's that, and it's due to COVID, right? We grew and phenomenally through COVID. Mm. Um, those early days, I was one of them. I started on the week after we announced lockdown in the UK. So I'd already handed my notice in. I was already leaving a job and then the UK went into lockdown. I sort of left one job from my desk at home, started the next day with the same laptop because I hadn't been given a laptop yet because I hadn't been able to go to the office wow. and just joined another Teams meeting. I was like, oh, I'm a Microsoft employee now. Wow. So, uh, so let's talk about that moment. So what, what were you doing before and like, how did you end up at Microsoft? Yeah, no, that's a, so I've always been involved in the partner space. So I've always worked for like small partners. So I started out in a small partner in Crawley my very early days, left college, didn't finish my A-levels, went straight and got into the industry. Um, and then, you know, there was four of us there and I went to a bigger MSP and there was probably, um, sorry, MSP, managed service provider. So Thank people you. who outsource people, uh, IT to and they manage everything from 
putting ink in the printer to fixing servers when they go wrong, stuff like that. Um, and we either went to one that focused on schools specifically. So I did lots of local education around Brighton and West Sussex. So yeah, that was good. Very much the same though. Everything was, you know, didn't matter which school you went to. It was just the same setup. After a year, I was like, it's not really pushing me enough this. So I'll, I'll find something else. Uh, I then worked for a worked for a bigger partner who were like 800 people uh, now. They were like 200 when I started. So they went on a big growth spurt and still are um, managing, you know, big, big customers like, debt collection companies, law firms in London, you know, that sort of level of IT. Um, and then I went to an even bigger global partner uh, called CDW, um, who are massive in America, quite a big presence over here, used to be known as Kelway in the UK, um, but CDW acquired them. And then, yeah, I was doing lots of bits around there, did a bit of cloud architecture towards the tail end of those. And then Microsoft came, the opportunity came and wow. off I went. So... For someone who you didn't finish your A-levels? Yeah, didn't finish A-levels. I've um, got my AS's, that's about it. That's a pretty impressive career route. I mean, when I was at school, it was like, if you don't get your A-levels, you'll be yeah, no yeah. good, you'll have to go work at McDonald's. And, <laughs> you know, there was always that fear of you. But this is such an incredible, interesting story. Mm. What do you think, was it just the fact that you were, you just had the talent and the skill and the dedication anyway and the interest in the subject or yeah I think there was a bit of you know having the passion and wanting to do do well and just wanting to keep pushing myself and do more and you know almost ignore those boundaries of typical like well you're too young or you know you've not been in the job role, role long enough or anything like that just keep pushing like if you're doing the right thing you should be rewarded for it I don't know it was more I'm heavily dyslexic. I can read and write absolutely fine my handwriting is atrocious should have been a doctor based on my handwriting um, but <laughs> I've got an amazing tech, like way of thinking differently and you know my attention to detail is quite high like I've focused on things like and I've got the minute detail and I always remember these things like I can recall random IP addresses that I probably worked with 20 years ago that I can still recall and that has just you know almost been my my trait like I've always been the person that's across everything knows what's going on know what everybody else is working on know how we can solve an issue over there that we solved 3 years ago over there and trying to bring those together but I've always just kept pushing, right? I've never really stopped in terms of, well, you know, just because somebody says above me that I can't go to that role because I'm not experienced enough or whatever, I've gone, well, what do I need to do? What's my, what's the next step for me to go and do and got into it? And to be fair, the IT industry is, I think I've worked with maybe two or three people that have got degrees that, you know, obviously a lot of people in Microsoft in our engineering teams, computer engineering, computer science, very, very smart people understand, you know, C and like programming it is very fundamental levels that I will never understand and never want to understand. They <laughs> also then can't do the other side, which is being customer facing, have conversations with the customer, understand their their problem and convert that into these are the requirements and this is what we need. And that's where I, I love my balance in the role. Yeah. But I've always just gone through the industry I've done industry certifications all the way through you know I did one on Friday you know like the big thing with cloud I think is a nice thing for me being you know 30 this year that I'm as new I know as much about the cloud as anybody who's been in the industry for 50 years yeah. because it's only existed for the time span that I've been in the industry so there are no like well I've got 20 years experience in the cloud you're like well no you haven't because it hasn't existed for 20 years it's a level playing field. So, so I mean, is that something that so have people tried that on with you? So I've got, oh, shut up, kid. You know, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like you know, where I left one of my roles, it was like, well, you're too young to be an architect. And I was like, well, why? Why am I too young to be an architect? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm capable of doing the role, and you know, we're getting good feedback, why, why not? It's like, well, I just, you know, all of the architects are X, you know, years got years more experience than you or X older than you, and you're like, 
Yes, I granted. Like if you're talking about very legacy on-premise systems, granted they've got way more experience. But in this new modern technology, I know more than they do because they've been focusing on their old world. I've been focusing on the new world, and you know that's that's where you know I should be investing my time. And actually, I'm just as experienced as anybody in that field on on that technology. So yeah, I think it's it's different on mindsets of people you come across. You'll definitely find some organisations that are, you know, definitely that startup culture where they're like. Everybody's on a level playing field. Cloud is new. Everybody can get on with it. Whereas you go into some of the older MSPs and legacy IT systems, you know, these bigger conglomerates that manage, you know, public sector stuff you typically find where they've got, you know, mainframes still existing and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. There are people there who are probably near retirement age, but are absolute, you know, the linchpin of their business because without them, nobody wants to learn that old technology anymore. So they're, going to be sitting there on a very good payday just ticking these things along because nobody else knows what's there but same ways they don't know anything about the cloud and not interested in that because my generation have been the ones to take that forward and be like the the inception and birth partners of of that technology i'm really interested because you said you're dyslexic Mm -hmm. um how does that fit in because you you knew you sort of struggled i guess in one particular area yeah did it then you just double down on the confidence for the rest of it and just go, right, that 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 I struggle with, but, the you know, I don't know, how, how does that play out? Because I, So I'm maths is in... my thing, right? What? Maths is really tough for me. So I can do the basics, no problem at all. But as soon as you get into complex algebra or anything like that, so I'm a, I love my science, so I did physics at A-level. Um, and then I got a year in and I was like, the maths is just too much for me. Like, I can get the theory, I can write about the theory all day long and I understand it. But if you ask me to work out the equation for this, not a clue like i'll be there for hours and i've always been one of those people that i have to understand why you do certain things like i always used to have some teachers that would say well you just do this to the equation you flip this number here but why like i can't do it unless you tell me why and they're like well don't worry about why just do it like well i can't that's not the way my brain works so i've always struggled with the number side and that still hurts me today in my role because actually the more complex or advanced you get in code you actually start falling back on some of like mathematic basics so you know like modulo and stuff like that where i'm like i don't even know what modulo is and my wife is who's got a degree in geography uh, is a geography teacher has obviously done quite a lot of statistics in her world she's like yeah modulo is this and i'm like I have no idea. She's like, we learned that in like GCSE and A-level. I'm like, no idea. Like, I did okay at school. I got all my A to Cs and did did fine. But it was never like, maths was always my my struggling subject. And English as well, because I write so slowly and my handwriting is so poor. But I could type really well. Like, it was always my get out of jail free card. So for my exams, I managed to get, you know, to be able to do my exams and stuff on laptops. But, you know, I could type 300 words a minute versus writing 30 words a minute so yeah. it gave me the flexibility to get my my answers down with not having to worry about my handwriting looks terrible nobody should be able to read it and I think it's just that's the way it went I was always interested in you know why is this working like this I even did like um our school when when I was there we rebuilt like we became an academy we were one of the very first people to become an academy and they were like right loads of money we're going to redo the school like what IT stuff we can do and I was actually part of the IT support technician team like after school I used to go and like just pop into the office and be like got any jobs that need doing like go and fix a couple of printers or something like that and I just got involved and did more and ended up designing half like the network with them and being involved and like that sort of experience just was great and yeah when I got to AS level I was doing IT obviously and I did the first year and they were like oh this is a server and I was like yeah I've got three of these at home like I'm already doing this stuff because I'm just genuinely interested in the, the area I was like I'm learning nothing here like I need to go and just throw myself at the deep end so I made myself the commitment of I'm going to go and get a job in the industry but until I do that I stay in education 
So I stayed and I managed to get myself a job. And I was like, right, it's September time, or it was actually July time. So it was this time of year. And I was like, I don't need to come back. I won't be coming back for my A levels. See you, suckers. Yeah, see you, suckers. <laughs> I'm, I'm off to get a job and go in the real world. And yeah, it's gone from there and just every time just industry certifications work towards the next thing and mm-hmm. just see them all the challenges don't I, i'm not comfortable sitting still and just going well I, that's my limit now that's what i know i'm happy with that i'll sit there it's always like what's next we always have this laugh me and my wife my wife my wife is very very academic um and very very smart but she goes well how do you think of things like i remember things or like i'll recall something or i think of a problem in a different way and she's like how did you even get there she's like it would take me weeks to even think about that it's like my brain just thinks differently like and that's good because we all balance each other out eventually in the planet and you know there are people who think one way people who think another way and another way and together we do amazing things especially the job you've got right now it seems like you, you your brain is being pulled in lots of you know you've got lots of different ways you know a little, a, things in the code but also strategy and thinking and and yeah. so many and that must suit you down to the ground <laughs> i love it i love the very like the the flexibility in my role and like after this i've got a call with a customer like so i'll be customer facing then so it's like pre-sales jack is enabled like customer facing yes everything's possible like don't worry about it how can we solve this but then i'll be like okay well i've heard this requirement how do we integrate that into our strategy because that's a real problem for all of our customers and I might even end up writing the code for it and I might even end up delivering it so yeah it's a real it's brilliant I love the flexibility of my role. <laughs> so are you remote or are you? The intention was when I started at Microsoft was yeah you know in the office a couple of days a mm-hmm. week um, or on customer sites and then remote from wherever um, so yeah I'm fully remote have been for three years now even the role before that it was sort of three days of the week at home maybe one day in London um, or on a customer site so I've been sort of remote working now for probably the best part of six to seven years okay. I went to the office last Friday and it was sort of like oh my god it's the first time I've been to the office in like six weeks I met my manager and I was like oh wow you really are tall like, <laughs> like you, things you just don't pick up on, on on teams meetings all day every day you just don't pick up but it's so important do you miss um, people mm yeah you miss bouncing ideas off people like you know we all work very much in isolation like somebody sent me some code to review and i'm like we could have talked about this over a whiteboard in five minutes and it's going to now take us the best part of probably a couple of hours each to try and explain what you were thinking to try and make me see what you how you've approached it so yeah there are days where you go this is just be easy if we were in the same room or just be easy if we were together you know tools are great you know, collaboration software has come on a long way. Obviously, Microsoft's got some great tools and, you know, we, we are always trying the next thing, being internal. We dog food our own, our own software first. So I see things before they come to the general public. But, you know, it's, it's not the same as being in a room with a whiteboard and a pen or just having lunch with somebody and just chatting about a random idea you had and letting that evolve and go somewhere. And, and even why doesn't that, not just people that you, you are working with, but just other humans in yeah. the world. So what's, so are you at home on your own or is your, is your wife around? Are you? No. So wife is a teacher in Hove. Right. So she's, she's out. So from seven o'clock till four, five to five o'clock, I don't see the wife. We have a puppy now that we got a year ago. Oh. So I now have a dog at the house, which is nice because it's the force to drag myself away from my desk, um, which is good because before it'd be like seven till seven pretty much every day um, because it gives you that chance to almost reset I think something we've all said in our team is we all miss that like clear free headspace where you're just having lunch for an hour and letting the brain think like we all get stuck on problems during the day uh, that we're working on we're like I have no way how I'm going to get through this and then you end up like in your sleep or overnight and you're just like oh that's how I fix it like this you know uh, Nirvana moment happens and you're like that's how we do it 
Um, and having the dog has definitely helped get me out and just give me that, oh, actually, look, if I think about this in a different way or get a bit of clear headspace and think about something else, it will come to you. How does the skiff fit in with your kind of people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I try and get to the skiff, I would say, probably once a month at least, more if, more if possible. And I use it more as my reset space. So when I'm really like early on a project or late in a project when I'm trying to just get different perspectives on the idea like just coming here and having you know access to town very very easily like I can go for a wander Brighton is where I originally grew up so like a little bit of nostalgia wander around get some good lunch you know lots of good coffee shops but just use it as my base but then when I come back here it's like there's nobody here that is going to distract me because I work with them and they feel like they can distract me, right? Everybody will keep themselves to themselves, but there's also ample opportunity to socialise and go into the mess and have a, have lunch with other people and chat about what you're working on and get different people's perspectives. And I love coming to the Skiff because there's lots of anti-Microsoft people and it's great because I get to hear like what they really don't like about it with an unfiltered view. And it's sort of like, well, okay, how can I incorporate that? How can I change that? Like, what, what are other people working on that I could take inspiration from? But yeah, I absolutely, it's my reset pet space. So when I really need to focus and like, I have a deadline, I need to get something done and I need to come somewhere where there's background noise. That's, that's the biggest thing that I noticed about the skiff. And I think also being around other people who you see so focused in their work, like I've sometimes come into the skiff and seen you working away and you're like head down, focusing on something. And it almost like drags you in from that guilt oh. trip of like, yeah. Well, they're working, so I, I might as well be doing the same. I use this as a like a try and have very little meetings when I'm here. Like my my calendar is full of maybe nine to fifteen meetings a day, of just and I work in a global team, so a lot of my colleagues are East Coast and West Coast of the US. Right. So my day really doesn't start until like two o'clock. So I have like the morning period where I might speak to some EMEA-based customers, and then from two o'clock till seven eight o'clock in the evening it's us time and like my chat blows up on my phone and it's quite hard to balance that life especially when like now the weather's great and you want to spend your time outside in the evening it's not working but you know it's finding that balance and it's fine it's really flexible but i try when i come to the skiff try and make it like i'm not taking calls like they're more ad hoc like hey have you got five minutes to chat about this not a scheduled this call in the calendar like i'm coming here because i want to get work done and i always try and clear my calendar and go it's my day reset the change of scenery not the manana of home and all that stuff that's nice that's very healthy so what's what's next for you I and mean, obviously i don't want to wish you out of microsoft <laughs> but do you have a career path i know these people who have 10-year plans but it sounds like it's been a bit yeah of a, a journey just see to where it goes here. and just take the step uh, right now not leave microsoft like i think it's one of the best companies i've ever worked for in terms of support benefits all of those things you know like it's a really good place to be and it's such a varied like I could go, you know what, I'm bored of cloud. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in designing hinges for laptops, for Surface laptops. There's a team that do that. You know, I could go and work in the Xbox team on the gaming side. There's sustainability teams. There's people who are buying land to build data centers on. And I see so many people like, oh yeah, I worked 10 years in this team and I've worked five years in this team. And you're like, but they're not relating. They're like, yeah, I got bored. Like I wanted to change, but I didn't want to leave the organization because wow. I believe in what the organization's about. Um, the dream for me next and the next goal is trying to move the products that I run into a more official product that customers pay for today. It's just like, a collection of material and it's all open source and stuff like that and it's i think the next evolution for me is trying to take the product of azure landing zones that i run today 
to become an official product. So it's a change of organizations internally, um, going into something called cloud and AI, which is our engineering team. And, you know, that's something that will be a two, three year. And we've already started making noises to start warming people up to the idea. But that's then getting somebody in a very high level to go, yes, we will fund this. If not, it'll be going into work into one of those product teams. So it'll be, hey, actually, you've got an opening in your team. I love your product. Let's yeah. let's have it. And I'll come and do product management more officially. We're almost like the unofficial product group is right. what we call ourselves. We're creating things that should probably be products, yeah. but there aren't investment for right yet. So we're like the incubation zone. We get these things off the ground and then try and make them yeah. a, a real thing. So we're trying to do that next step. We've got lots of things that we've got working really well and are heavily adopted. You know, the product I use, I think, you know, has 2,000 deployments a day in some places. Wow. So it's getting used, yeah. um, but it's now how do we make it take its next step and be a bit more official within Microsoft. And you've got other projects on the back burners as well. So yeah. it sounds like, you've, like you, you, you're growing a lot of things all at the same time. Yeah, I work in a team that manages, uh, we call it Azure Core. So mm -hmm. it's infrastructure. So it's not development. It's not, um, you know, gaming. It's not any of like these or data and AI. It's none of this, this like the newer, cooler stuff that we're a, lot, a lot of us are seeing. It's very much like these are the building blocks that you, everybody needs to succeed in, in the cloud. And that ranges so widely. So, yeah, so sometimes it is very, very varied. And you're like, okay, where do we invest our time right now? But you love this. Don't I love you? it. I, I can see it. I, I can it. see like you're, you you're, actually love it. you're getting so excited by talking about, I can just see your brain lighting up as you're like. And we're at, we're F, it's our end of our financial year this week. So now is that time of like, what are we doing next? Like, yes, we've got the daily running and we're going to have to carry on with these. But what are the things that we're really going to focus on next yeah. year? And we've probably got capacity to commit to three big things again this year in, in our team. We've currently got 27 on the list. So <laughs> something's got to get dropped. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but that's that's the fun part now. It's working out what, you know, working out what gets dropped and why and being able to justify that. I have three quick fire questions Go just to wrap it. things up. Um, you said you come into Brighton for, you know, obviously to work here, but also you said all the great coffee, coffee shops and cafes. What's for lunch today? What is for lunch today? Uh, probably lavash. Oh, why lavash? Uh, it's the best falafel you will ever find in Brighton. Uh, my wife, who is a vegan, tells me it's the best falafel she's ever eaten. So highly recommend. Although don't plan to do any work in the afternoon, you definitely need a nap afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't live around here, so you live in Hove, right? Uh, I live in Burgess Hill. Burgess Hill. So if you didn't live in Burgess Hill or sort of this close to Brighton, where would you live? Uh, Hove is always the dream. Um, price tag probably excludes us a lot of us from from the dream, but yeah, Hove is definitely the dream for me and the wife one day. Okay, and you've never fancied upping stakes and moving to like the states or somewhere. It's like that. been an option, Redmond, and I went out there March last year for like a team meeting, which was fantastic, and I would definitely do it. However, you know, family is always a big tie here. Mm. Like, do you want to really want up sticks and leave? I think if the right opportunity came before you know we ever had kids or anything like that. It's definitely a possibility and we've we've spoken about it but if kids arrive i think it'll be no we're staying put one day i think seattle yes yeah some other parts of the states maybe not but yeah seattle is very like the uk you know day-to-day -day life is yeah. very similar so nice and final question if you could earn the same doing any job i mean literally anything yeah what would you do i always joke about this like some days i come away and i'm like it would be just easier if i just put up fences for a living or worked outside and did nothing that was so focused around my laptop like I love the outdoors uh, I'm a big cricket fan so probably cricket groundsman something outdoorsy would be my, my thing because I spend so much time just sitting in dark rooms or 
server rooms. So I'm, picture- so I'm picturing now cricket groundsman at the cricket ground, living in yeah. Hove. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect life. Yeah, exactly. And obviously within walking distance of the skiff still. To, to come in and shop your tools. To come in, exactly. Come in and shop the tools or do some maintenance on the plants that we've got around the place. Who knows? But, you know, maybe I'll install a cricket wicket in the, in the skiff. Sure, that would go down very well. Absolutely. John will love it. And you can find out more about Jack at bio.link forward slash Jack Tracy with an E. And if you're interested in working alongside people like Jack and myself, then head to theskiff.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Tales from the Engine Room. And we'll see you next time. Bye.